Loaded sport. Oh. Does he sit second, man? No, I don't I think he does. I think Kevin Keegan probably sits second. Oh, my God, what a <laughs> scandal. Austin Eckler versus the cards. Go and fuck the yeah. lot of you. Austin <laughs> Eckler. He's making me like I'm some sort of cameo. Like, I've come in and go, hand out the bag, England to win. Hello and welcome to episode 44 of Loaded Sport. A little bit different tonight with me hosting our usual host. Our, our man with the mic, Aggie, is not here with us tonight. We won't say why, but uh, sometimes, as we've said with the rest of us before, a little bit of personal things get in the way and we have to take time out. And Aggie has been the only one that has been consistent throughout the previous 43 episodes and it is his time to take a little bit of a break. But we're all thinking of you, mate. And looking forward to having you back hopefully next week. Uh, joining me tonight, first of all, we've got not the man with the mic, but the man with the hat, rap, uh, repping the uh, Under Armour brand, the Dwayne Johnson apparel. Sam, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. At forever clinging on to that sponsorship deal, aren't I? With, <laughs> with Under Armour, you wait till yeah. I'm dripping in it. Yeah. Either, either now I've got a, got a sponsorship deal or more just trying to trade with me on fantasy. It's going to be one or other. Yeah, possibly. Probably the latter, I'm going to guess, but uh, <laughs> hopefully, mate, the former. Also with us tonight is Kempi, the man who will take you into the corner and break down all things combat-related. Kemp, it's going to be a bumper one later on. How are you feeling? Mr Dawson, Mr White, thinking of your man with the mic. I'm absolutely fantastic, boys. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Shagadelic, baby. Here we go, baby. Let's go. Kempi's combat corner is bumper today, so we're, we're ready to go. We're ready to go. Save your voice, mate. Save your voice. And joining us for the latest edition of the Listener Lock-In, we've got Michael Donnelly. Michael, how are you, mate? Yeah, mate, not bad. Thanks for having me. I was going to make a joke about being the better-looking bald guy, but if Kempi's into boxing, I best not. Um, so we'll, just, we'll just leave it like that. But yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Being just watching it, it being just, just watching it, mate. Just watching yeah, it, mate. Yeah, fair Couldn't enough. knock skin off a rice pudding. Carry oh, on. Fair fine. enough. They're the best looking ball guy in the chat. Don't <laughs> you win. You win by default just for having a beard, I reckon. But uh, we'll enough. leave it to the viewers to decide. Um, you've got quite a, a fancy looking football shirt there. I'm repping this season's Bayern Munich away shirt this uh, this season. We'll get into news out of the Munich camp later on. But uh, what shirt are you repping? Yeah, I was, yeah, I did this did this on purpose. I'm glad you noticed. Um, I've got Blythe Spartans on. Uh, I live in Blythe. It's not where I'm from, but they did the last couple of years. The um, fifth tier football uh, relegation battle at the moment. So I thought I'd put them on. And uh, yeah, I guess any Blythe Spartan fans listening, I uh, hope that you can stay up. Never know, are mate. They in never often Towns League. Say that no, again. They'll be, they'll be, if it's step five, they'll be National League. They're National League. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. often oh. in North, aren't they? Yeah, you yeah. might correct myself. But- Correct myself, yeah, it is the sixth tier, sorry. So Step six. Yeah, 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 so it's League North. Thank you for correcting me there, yeah. So doing the same leads as Gates, there were Gates, they went up. Uh, so they're in, yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Big win for Gates said last night. They're currently the, the informed team in the National League. I know they're not looking at a playoff spot, but uh, yeah, top of the form table at the minute, one five two away Eastley last night. So uh, Yeah, doing quite well. They've got it. I think they're, they're at Wembley as well, aren't they? The FA Vars. So I think uh, the North East is actually really good for non-league football. Got a good few good teams in there as well. And I'm more for being down to Wembley a couple of times too. So it's good good for that. And obviously there's a big team in the North East at the moment. Yeah. Quite well as well. Is that? Sunderland. <laughs> Sunderland <yeah. laughs> Borough, Carrick, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the one. That, yeah, that's it. Don't talk about that one. Kemp's around. I'll start crying. But uh, <laughs> Anyway, very quickly before we get into discussions about your football fandom and, and your picks for this upcoming weekend, we'll very quickly point out, Sean joined you lads last week. I'm gutted to 
have missed out on it because I would have poked and poked the bear on the uh, Birmingham ownership a little bit more and I'm sure it would have been about an hour long of an episode but he did manage to land two points so he goes tied second he got Martinelli scoring for Arsenal and he got Burnley beating your boys Kemp Sheffield United 2-0 on Easter Monday so steady uh, steady result I'm really really not sure what you're thinking of going with Birmingham as a lock but uh, yeah I was about to say didn't, it, didn't you have a weird lock yeah he, he said that he was going with his heart and he went for Birmingham but that's uh, shocking. That's, that's shocking. I, I think that was Virgin on a Eligible wildcard pick. He gets, pick, to he be gets honest, the win there, doesn't he? If he goes for a, a decent one. If well, he goes tied first, but wow. that's what happens when you go with your heart. But uh, Michael, on to you, mate. We're going to open with the question that we open up with every single one of our uh, guests. Who do you support and why? Um, so forget the top for a second. Uh, <laughs> it's not my it's not my first love. Uh, I'm, I'm a Liverpool fan. I'm from the area originally. Mm from Witness, uh, which is Cheshire, not far from there, like a 20-minute yeah. drive from Manfield. And, yeah. Forget the accent as well. But it's, <laughs> it's washed out, hasn't it? It's been, I've lived up here, lived in the North East for the last 10 years. Um, why? I don't know. You don't really get a catalogue of football teams when you're kids, do you, and pick a team? It's just a family team, uh, and it's as simple as that, really. Um, so I wish I had more of a cool antidote here, but no, I don't. That's just... I don't think anyone has a good story yeah, when it comes just, to the... Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just, I just, yeah, I just do. We've all got a similar story, but the good thing is, is yours is happy ending because you've got Liverpool, whereas I'm Sheffield United, <laughs> Sam's Derby. And Derby, yeah. Dawson's, Ch- yeah. Dawson's Chesterfield these days, so it doesn't yeah. help. <laughs> Man United when they win, Chesterfield when Man United hey, lose. It's funny you say that, actually, because my first season, I remember because I'm 30, was the 2001 season, where we won a treble, not the yeah, treble yeah. for you. You were, yeah, yeah. you were ready then to cut, cut me down. Uh, we I won a like, treble. You for cup. Yeah, we won a treble, <laughs> and I just thought that was just the norm for a football team. So I was like nine or whatever. Um, so now that I'm older, you peaked. You've those. gone in yeah, the top, yeah. yeah. And then obviously a few years later, obviously <clears> it was the Champions League, the FA Cup after that. Um, so yeah, I guess I was very blessed, I guess. But again, I didn't pick the team. I guess I just it was just what I had to do. I guess. Yeah, I did something oh, similar so. similar with darts. I got in there after the. Uh, Christmas Van Gerwen and uh, you know the, the two nines and I've yeah. got into it loving it and these lads are like they don't know why you bothered now it's, it's as good as it's ever going to get you're never going to see that again <laughs> yeah, yeah. Peak too early yeah exactly yeah. I mean I say that we've obviously still had a good run the last couple of years so um, yeah it's, it's easy to support us I guess yeah well we've we've obviously had Jay on in the past and we've spoken a lot over the last few weeks and months about Liverpool's season it has been a bit of a a down season for them based on recent form, like I said there, with Champions League and Premier Leagues and all that kind of stuff that you've you've had great success under Jurgen Klopp. So I don't think we need to go too much into yeah. the reasons why, but it does kind of lean into the question that I am going to ask you, which I think the big news this week coming out in the last 24 hours is a report that Liverpool are not going to be pursuing Jude Bellingham in the summer, who mm-hmm. pretty much every man and his dog and anyone that could report, tweet or talk about it assumed that if Jude were to leave Borussia Dortmund, it was going to be to Liverpool. And it mm-hmm. seems that that's not going to be the case now. Why do you think that is, first of all? Obviously, it's going to cost a lot of money, but you know, from an ownership perspective, from long-term investment and what Liverpool need to really get back up with the cities, the, the now Arsenal's and potentially mm-hmm. Man United's and all that kind of stuff, why do you think that that decision's come so far away from the summer? And, and what do you think about that as a Liverpool fan? Well, I, I can only really answer it as a, as a Liverpool fan. Um, firstly, when it comes to the news and stuff like that, in the transfer rumours, I know they are coming from official sources, um, but I don't really believe anything 
until it happens. Um, so I always do take it with a pinch of salt. Um, in terms of the price of Bellingham, we all knew it was going to be expensive. I know yeah. everyone's been linking to us and, you know, you see the bromance when Gerard and Bellingham are together when they're, they're doing like the punditry and stuff, when they're interviewing and stuff like that. Um, but me being like a realist, I guess, I never really seen them coming unless we sell somebody. Because um, the way the FSG model is, is they don't, in, they don't spend loads of money. They never have done. The players that we've got, right, in terms of Van Dijk and Allison, that was on the back of Coutinho. So I can only really see him spending that much money is if somebody was to leave. And with the exception of Salah, I don't really think anyone's in Liverpool team they could sell for that much money to even get a Jude Bellingham yeah. in. So that, that's my that's my opinion. I hope I'm wrong. You know, I'm wrong quite a lot. Um, I hope I'm wrong and they sign him. Uh, but then even if they do sign him, is that the answer? Um, because there's a lot of holes in that ship at the moment. Uh, and will, yeah. he plug, will he plug all the holes? We don't I think know. I think they made a good decision myself. Like you say, yeah. uh, he's going to cost, I dare say he's going to cost, cost between 120, 150 mm. million, I think. And it, the logic they're going behind is obviously they've already got two favourites, Caicedo and Rice. That are yeah, the, the there's alternatives. Favorites. Alternatives. I think that would be a better move for them anyway, because it's not a one-man job. I, don't, I think Liverpool are far from just one man coming and, turning their midfield around. I think they need a whole new midfield. And I think getting two players, two 60, 70 million pound players potentially, I think will be a better idea than than just Jude Bellingham on his own. But I think it goes even deeper than that, to be fair. I don't think they just need a, a whole new midfield. I think they also probably need a centre-back as well. Yeah. Um, you look at Van Dijk in the past few months, he's not looked the old Van Dyke, Canate, I don't think he's reliable on, on a regular basis. Um, the less said about Gomez, the better. Matip is a, is a steady player, but is he top level? Probably not. So I think they probably need a centre-back as well. And it's it's quite obvious what Liverpool need. They need a rebuild. Everybody knows that. Um, they've still got some really effective forward players with the signing of Gakpo, Darwin Nunes is kind of coming into his, 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 his groove a little bit. But for me, they really need to, like you said, Sam, plug a couple of holes in midfield and probably get a centre-back as well. And if you're going to spend all of your transfer budget, if you can afford him on Bellingham, then you're leaving those gaping holes again for next season when you might not qualify for Champions League again. And it causes all these problems. So there's no way that Liverpool aren't going to invest. I know you mentioned FSG there. It's it's difficult sometimes, but Klopp signed a new deal not too long ago. He's going to have had some guarantees in terms of investment. I'm sure he is. So... The, the wise thing is what they've done. And it pains me to say, because I'm not Liverpool's biggest admirer, but it, it, they've done the wise thing, in my opinion, in saving that Bellingham money in, in a sense and, and maybe signing two or three top-class players that can really start off this rebuild rather than throwing all their eggs in one basket. What do you reckon to that then, Michael? Do you agree with that? Is it a case of that money on one player is better spent on three, four potentially key players moving <laughs> forward or...? It's a it's a big statement, isn't it? Um, but I do think that one player is not going to solve the issue. Um, we need at least two centre mids and a centre back. If we can get Jude Bellingham as well as some players, then great. But if I had to choose between just one players and Jude and a couple of other uh, players, I think I would choose the, the the couple of other players. I'm sure that's not the, the mass opinion of the Bill fans, um, but I think that's what I would rather see. Well, we're just uh, well, just over a month um, away from the end of the season, so it'll all come, all the transfer windows, all the rebuilding that needs doing, the little bits of strengthening that your teams like Arsenal and City will no doubt do, that they do every single season will come as well, so if each of those sort of top four, five, six teams can, can get those last couple of pieces, not including Spurs, because we've spoke about them before, they're average with a couple of decent players, but uh, 
that it could be a really interesting uh, Premier League next season. But that's uh, we need to get through the rest of this one first. And coming up this weekend is another weekend of full football action. So we're going to get stuck into the reason why we're here. And that is the locks, scorers, wild cards, and your uh, predictions for three score lines this weekend as well, Michael. I sent you over the uh, games earlier this week. So first of all, we'll start with the locks. So, Michael, between Friday and Sunday, between the Premier League and the National League, which team are you most confident will get the win okay. this weekend? Okay, right. Before I do this, I'm not okay. here. I'm not here to be a hipster in football. I'm not here to <laughs> flex my muscle of how much I know about the football games. I'm here. I'm here to get as many right as I can. All right. I like it. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry. I, no, listen. I, I was really looking into it, and I really wanted to come with some quirky ideas. But then I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to pick Man City. Um, okay, can't go. That's Sam every week, that I do. Well, I've been listening to the last few ones in preparation <laughs> for this, so you, you're going to like my next one as well. But I thought I'd do a little bit of, you know, a tidbit of why. You know, I know they've won the last get uh, nine games in all the competitions. Uh, City every season have like this weird winning streak, so I think they're in it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't really feel like I needed even to give a reason. So for my luck, I'm going to pick Man City. I think I have to agree with that. You don't really have to give a reason, do you, uh, for that? Just very quickly, because you have gone Man City. The talk is Arsenal, Man City. Who's going to win it? Arsenal currently six points ahead. City do have a game in hand. They are still due to play each other between now and the end of the season. Very briefly, who do you think is going to win the Premier League and what do you think is going to be that one factor that gets that team over the line? I oh, I tell you what, it's hard and I'll change your mind every time, but very quickly to keep it brief, um, I think Man City will do it. I think Man City will win the treble. Um, and, I, and I think, I know <laughs> Arsenal have still got City and they've still got Newcastle at St. James's, but I really think the draw against, against ourselves uh, last week on Sunday, I think that was the beginning of the end. I, I feel like we're going to look at that game the same way that we look at Liverpool Palace when we're drawn 3-3. Free, free. Yeah, um, back in 2014. Obviously, I know we were free up against Palace, but I think just the momentum, the way we 30 minutes into the game before the Jacker and Trent incident, you're thinking <laughs> we're going to get hammered here. This is going to be embarrassing. Um, and we should have won the game. We were the better team. So, yeah, I think Man City will do it on all on all three fronts. Fair enough, Kemp. It's still the lone man on the uh, side of Man City, but. Anything can happen between now and the end of May. <laughs> but um, So you've gone Man City, which speaks for itself, as you mentioned there. I have spun the wheel for the rest of us. <laughs> and up first for the locks this week is Sam. Oh, two weeks in a row. Uh, I think I've gone with quite a um, an unpopular one here. And it's one that you've essentially just slagged off. And I've gone for Spurs at home against Bournemouth. Mate, I'll be honest, they were my first choice. Was they? Yeah. City was obviously my first choice, so that went straight out of the window. <laughs> uh, yeah, Spurs at home against Bournemouth. It's nothing to do with how good Spurs are. Uh, just Bournemouth are really down there at the minute. I think Harry Kane will have a field, a field day uh, at home as well. If you were at Bournemouth, it might have been a bit different. But no, I think I think Spurs have got enough to see Bournemouth off at home. That's fair. That's fair. A good game at probably the right time for the, the off-field stuff that's going on. But they have been in good form. We've spoke about it already, the stuff of Conte was off-field and on the pitch, they were still, for the most part, delivering pretty good form. So, now, like I said, that was my number one pick this week, so well with you there. Uh, next up, Kemp. Oh, thank you very much. I am going to go with a victory for Ipswich at home against Charlton Athletic. 
Um, Kieran McKenna has been quite highly spoken about since he left the Manchester United setup, um, yeah. and he's done pretty well at Ipswich. I think they're in the uh, the promotion chase, as it were. Um, I don't don't quite think they're going to do it. I think they're a little bit too far behind. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go from the, them to beat Charlton this weekend. So Ipswich are my lock of the week. That's very fair. Now, obviously, that means I'm next, and I'm going to go against everything that I would normally. Um, I am pretty strong on the lock, so I'm actually going to take Chesterfield to beat. Eastley at home on Saturday. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, when Michael, you were mentioning Gateshead, Eastley lost 5-2 uh, last night against Gateshead. Uh, they're not in great form. Chesterfield, for the most part, um, in the last six weeks or so, have been in much improved form, although I did watch them on Saturday and they were absolutely shocking in the second half. They ain't got a chance in the playoffs if they play like that again. But I'm going again this Saturday, hoping for a much better performance and ultimately a better result. Confident enough for me to take them as my luck. Uh, this week, uh, which means I'm first up for the scorers. But first, Michael, of course, you get first pick. And I'm really hoping <laughs> you haven't taken up my first pick. Right. Sounds like it. Has. So what I had to do, guys, to find this scorer is I had to dig really down the leagues. Um, yeah, I found go. the player, guys. I don't know if you've heard of him or not. Um, <laughs> but he used to play for Gator, actually. Um, and he got a move to a team called Knox County. Um and he scored, I believe it was like 41 goals in the league. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm pronouncing this right. I don't know if you guys have heard him or not. Um, but he's called, he's called Macaulay Longstaff. Um, yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd pick him. I, I think he's got the, the odd mention on, uh, yeah. on the podcast, uh, mostly by me. But yeah, absolutely. I must admit, I must admit until you mentioned Gateshead, I thought he was going Haaland. <laughs> I was quite, <laughs> quite confident in going Haaland until he <laughs> Gateshead. I'm like, wait. Yeah, so I'm sorry, completely unscribbling it. I honestly think at this point, Macaulay Langstaff's been involved in loaded sports so much that we, we need to look into, you know, you can sponsor a player. Yeah. yeah. Sport need to try and sponsor Macaulay Langstaff next season. Because, um, yeah, he's been a common, common feature on loaded sports. So, yeah. You, you'd imagine pick. you'd imagine the level he's at when we've all respect to the level. If you maybe reached out to him on socials, he'd probably see it. You know, mm-hmm. you could maybe get it, you know, get a retweet. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, <laughs> we'll look into that tomorrow. He is on Twitter, Kemp. You were on our Twitter page, so it might be worth you uh, tagging him when the episode's out of him being the uh, the cult hero that he is in the Lotus Sport go. universe. But uh, very happy, mate, that you haven't took my pick. Uh, I know I said I usually mention Langstaff, but I haven't gone for him this week. And I have gone, and I'm going to guess this is Sam's pick because he does like this approach, but I've gone for Harry Kane at home against Bournemouth. Horrible man. Horrible um, man. In- in great form, he's scoring goals for fun, going a bit under the radar in the Premier League, um, top scorer race with obviously Erling Haaland running away with it. But again, I think he scored in his last six games. Um, so yeah, I'm more than confident. You said it yourself, Sam, earlier that he should have a bit of a field day. More than confident that he'll get at least one on uh, on Saturday. So yeah, Harry Kane for me, which means Kemp, you're next up, mate. Yeah, and to be fair, I thought you were going to pick Haaland, so I was going to go somewhere else. However, you didn't, so I'm going to go with Haaland. So what I was going to say is I was going to pick Illumin and Jai for Sheffield United. And and the reason I've said it and I've not, because I I know Sam's not going to pick Illumin and Jai, because he was left out of the shortlist for the uh, Young Player of the Year in the Championship, which I think is absolutely outrageous, and I think he's fuming about it. So I was hoping he was going to get a, yeah. I was well, Illumin and Jai, yeah, Carthorse. Um, so that was my reason, but I'm I'm sticking with all faithful. Uh, Erling Haaland is is my boy. You're after that tick, mate. That's fair. So Sam, no Kane to pick, no Haaland to pick, no Langstaff to pick. 
all the favourites are gone. So I've got to revert to last week's. Um, so I picked Julian Alvarez of City last week. He, he I had full, fully aware that he was never going to start, and I backed him anyway to come off the bench. And within five minutes of him coming off the bench, he had scored. And I'm going to back him to do the exact same again against Leicester. I think they could potentially even start him. I think obviously with the Champions League. Just, uh, just battered by in. I don't know what they're going to do with Arlen. They probably will start him, to be fair. But I think Alvarez will definitely see a good half an hour. And I think that'll be enough for him to... I think, if, I think if it was a close first leg with Bayern, I think there would have been a bigger chance of Al- Alvarez starting. But because they've kind of, you know, they, they've, they've sort of battered him at first leg a little bit, I think they can afford to to play the, 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 the key starters. So, yeah. But last week he came off at bench and bag for you, mate. So... Yeah, we're saying he did do it again. No, I'd say it did me did me right last week. So I put my put my faith in him once more. Great stuff, Michael. On to you to the wild cards. The only caveat is that they have to be um, well, they can't be the favourite in their game with the bookies. Who are you going for to get with an upset you. this week? With you, I haven't checked the bookies, but I'm assuming with the team that they wouldn't be favourites. But obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'll pick someone else. Um, but I have gone for Leeds to beat Liverpool. Yeah, I was thinking about them myself, to be honest. I don't think it's uh, horrific. I think okay, you might just so have enough to beat them, but... Are you happy you're with going that one? No, no, that's absolutely oh, fine, yeah, yeah. mate. You're going against your team, which happens on a rare occasion, but what's your thought process there? Um, Well, <laughs> to be an anomaly to that rule, I bet against the pro all the time, which was going to go down like a lead balloon. Uh, but my thought process is, is if we lose, I'm upset but then I get a bit of money out of it as well. Uh, but my thought process essentially is Liverpool have won, what, we've won three games this season away from home. Um, Leeds wow. got absolutely battered last time they were at home by Palace. Yeah. Um, and I feel like they need to put it right. Liverpool were not playing for anything. Um, and obviously Leeds are down with relegation. So I f- And Leeds won the reverse fixture at Anfield. So I feel the more I've described that, it's not really much of a wild card. I feel like it's justified. Um, I mean, listen, Liverpool might turn up and we might actually smash them. But yeah, if Leeds won 1-0, I don't think anyone would be shocked. It's strange. They seem to turn up against the big teams. They, they beat City. They, they obviously beat United 7-0. They, they came back from 2-0 down against Arsenal last weekend. So it seems in the big games, they're not really struggling. It is those games yeah. that lack a Leeds, like you mentioned there, where, where they seem to be struggling, which doesn't really... You know, you wouldn't think that that would be the case. Do so you think there's any reason for that where they do seem to turn it on against the bigger clubs and then it's the lower clubs in the Premier League that seem to struggle against? I'm not a tactician, but maybe it comes down to how they play. So obviously when they're playing the bigger teams, they don't expect to have the ball as much. Um, but what, what I kind of find when we are playing at the moment is our midfield's just not present, is it? I find we're really easy to get at. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to think of an answer to your question, but I don't know. I wish I knew. I wish Klopp knew, more <laughs> importantly. Uh, but no, I have no idea. I guess they just turn up on the occasion because the fans turn up. Um, but when we're playing Leeds in Ellen Road, you're not going to get the same kind of attitude from the fans as you would at you know, Arsenal or Anfield and stuff like that. Um, so that's my only thing, but I can't really give you a logical answer on that. wish I could. No, that's fair. Well, we know which way you're going to be leaning on the score prediction shortly, but before we do that, we'll uh, we'll do our wild card. Sam, you are up first for this one, mate. Who's, who have you got for an upset this weekend? I am going to go for Bolton away at Oxford. Oh, you fucker. Is it? <laughs> 
If Kent were going to pick it, you're on to a winner, mate. We know what when he's you like say, when you say razor thin favourite, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I literally had to go in. I couldn't work it out which one were the bigger odds. I had to go in and put mm-hmm. ten pound on and on each and see what got more profit. So Bolton <laughs> away at Oxford, it's seventeen to ten, and Oxford at uh, seven to four. So it was a ten return twenty seven on uh, on Oxford, and on Bolton it's, it was twenty seven pound fifty. So it was literally. Slight, slight underdogs in that. So I'm going to go Bolton away at Oxford. It, it, it all counts, mate. It all counts. So, Kem, have you got a backup ready or are you very quickly uh, nope, checking I'm the scrambling. odds to see? I'm scrambling like a motherfucker. <laughs> I can't believe that's took yours. I, I was that confident of no one picking that. I hadn't even picked I was, I was. That's why I've not picked a backup because I thought nobody's going to pick that. No one's going to spot <laughs> it. Fuck it. I'll be fine. Uh, and I haven't got a backup, so you're better off coming back to me if that's all right. Leapfrog, leapfrog draft. Leapfrog draft. We are nearly at draft season, aren't we? And Sam, I've actually got a a razor thin um, pick as well myself. I'm going to take Barrow to win away at Swindon in League Two. Swindon are in pretty shocking form. They've lost the last four games just looking now. They've not won in two, four, six, eight. They've not won in, uh, well, they've, they've gone up without a win in eight, should I say, sorry. Barrow, pretty good form as well. They've won three out of the last four. Um, pretty good form over the last 10 to 20 games. They've only won two of the last five away games, but it, I think it's one of them games where they could get a win because Swindon are in, in absolutely shocking form in League Two. So I'll take that. Have we bought you enough time, Kemp? Uh, no, but fuck it. I'm just going to do it anyway. Snatch it, snatch it. Snatch it, fuck it. I'm going to go Burton Albion at home against Sheffield Wednesday. Oh, oh Jesus. Just fucking heart. I'm all that heart, baby. your heart, that is. Um, you fucking so anti-Wednesday, you. I watched, well, yeah, of course. I watched um, <laughs> I watched Wednesday against Oxford, I think it was, last last weekend. Um, and, and, and Wednesday did not look good. And my entire family are all Wednesday fans. I went to a family party and I was cheering when Oxford scored, so that didn't go down very well. Um, but but yeah, I, I was talking to a few of them about it and Wednesday are at sixes and sevens at the moment. They had that amazing run, um, but, they've, but they've, they've dropped off the boil significantly. So I'm not saying Burton Albion are, are amazing and I'm not massively confident that they're going to do the job, but Sam picked my, uh, my, my Bolton pick. So uh, Burton at home against Sheffield Wednesday is what it's going to have to be. Just on your point there, um, with obviously Wednesday dropping off, this is why Mm -hmm. I take a bit of umbrage to you saying you don't think Ipswich will uh, make the auto because Ipswich have actually got a game in hand and two points behind. I think they're the team in league. Yeah, to be fair, I think you're right. I think looking looking, looking at that in a bit more detail, I didn't see that they got the game in hand. I wasn't Mm -hmm. quite sure. So, yeah. I think I agree with that with that statement. To be fair, and I think Ipswich, Ipswich and Plymouth are probably the two favourites actually. And Wednesday, I can't to quite, drop out. Yeah, I can't quite work out the the second team. I, 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 Ipswich are actually the ones I fancy the strongest out of the three, mm. and it's between Chef Wednesday and Plymouth. I, I think one of them are going to fuck up. Barnsley are in good form as well, though. Barnsley are yeah. in good form. Yeah. So you know, I mean, they've exciting. got a bit more to do. They've got a bit more to do. They're on 78, yeah, 78 but six six games left, I suppose. If Plymouth and yeah. Wednesday keep tripping up, then you never know. But well, we shall see. But hopefully, Burton Albion make Wednesday trip up this weekend. Hopefully, Derby beat Wednesday on the final day of the season. We're to going. Make, to make the playoffs. We're going. We're going. <laughs> I'm, I cannot say how surprised I am that neither of you have gone for Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace or uh, Neil Warnock's Huddersfield in the wild cards. But, uh, Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace, when I looked, were favourites, which is why I didn't go for it. Uh, when I looked, they were not. So maybe that's changed since. But yeah, when maybe. I looked... 
interesting. But yeah, anyway. So, Michael, onto your score predictions. We've got mm-hmm. your lock, score, and wild card. You've already spoiled that you think Leeds will win at the weekend, but mm-hmm. who? Oh, sorry, what do you think the score will be? With you, so I think I think it'll be close. Um, I think Leeds will win one nil. Okay, so cagey game, scrape it, part of the bus. Yeah, Liverpool get frustrated. Salah might miss a pen. Uh, Nunes might almost score. Um, he's so good at almost scoring. Um, no, he's amazing. It's incredible. If you get get half a goal, you know, for various chances, it would be in a better position. But yeah, one 0 leads. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit my neck out and say that. That's fair. And then we'll uh, the next two games we'll cover the title race. Two very big games. We've we've already mentioned, or you've mentioned that you've got Man City as your lock. Do you think it's going to be a very comfortable runaway win, or do you think it might be a bit of a cagey one, like when Company score that top bins a few years back to scrape a one 0 win? Yeah, the uh, the goal that stopped the pool from winning the league, people would argue. Uh, that goal. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, no, I think it's quite ironic that um, the person that's took over Leicester um, is named similar to a comedy actor, Adam Sander, because uh, um, they're a bit of a joke, aren't they? Um, I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think Man City are going to stuff them up at 5 0. Um, oh, I, really, okay. I really can't see Leicester getting anything. And, yeah, I think Man City is going to have a field day. They could literally put on the second team. You know, Mares, um, etc., and they'd still put a few past them. So yeah, yeah that's well, five, five nil. Just a note in history, that is the biggest score prediction that we've had on the uh, lock-in so far. So uh, we'll see how that goes for you. It shouldn't be too far off, really, when you take in recent form and everything else. But if it's six you nil, know. I'm going to be absolutely livid. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll, we will see Saturday evening and the final game Sunday. The first kickoff of the two games on Sunday. West Ham versus Arsenal, London derby. Arsenal trying to keep that gap between them and City, assuming that City will get a good win and keep that pressure on. What do you see Arsenal doing when they travel to West Ham? Um, it's one of those now, isn't it, this time of the season where West Ham are obviously fighting to stay up. Um, but I think Arsenal will be too much for them. Um, I've put down Arsenal to win 2-1. Um, and the reason why I've done that is I believe um, I've seen like a graph on, graphic on Sky Sports recently that Arsenal have got a really good record against other London teams. Um, yeah. Don't know it's a hand. Like I said, you guys are the expert on this, not me. I'm just a fan. Uh, but I do believe they've, they've beat most of the Chelsea, uh, for, uh, Chelsea uh, London team. So yeah, that's, that's what I've gone for. 2-1 to Arsenal. That's fair. I think everyone's beating Chelsea at the minute, aren't they? So uh, yeah, I just got Chelsea yeah. on the brain. Do you remember when that Ukrainian player can never pronounce his name? He made his debut against Liverpool, and everyone was like, "Oh, he looked good in." And then we've just not seen him since. It's funny how life works out, isn't it? It is. It absolutely is. Uh, so just to confirm your picks for you. Then you've yep. got Man City as your lock. You've got Langstaff as your scorer. I think everyone will agree you, you might be onto a two straight away there. And then you just need at least one to get to uh, tie at the top of the leaderboard. Leeds as your wild card. Leeds to beat Liverpool 1-0, City to beat Leicester 5-0 and Arsenal to get an away 2-1 win against West Ham on Sunday. But uh, we will, as always, discuss those picks next week. Three is the score to get to the top of the leaderboard or four is the score to beat it. But uh, I'm sure you'll be happy with at least one and not being on zero like Jay did right at the start of our, our locking competition. <laughs> yeah, I think I think, I think think a minimum two. I think the fixtures are being kind to me. I think anything below two, I'm going to be very disappointed with. Absolutely, that's a good mindset to have. But uh, really appreciate you coming on, mate. Enjoyed talking about all different levels of, of football. And I'm sure Kemp enjoyed the uh, Blast Spartans mention. I'm sure at some point he's been in, in and around the area on Football Manager. 
and <laughs> trying to trying to get people through the ranks. But uh, never get never get anything away at Bart Blythe. The bastards, bless them. It's just <laughs> too it. too close to the sea. It's too windy and cold in it. Uh, but listen, for it. thanks for having me, lads, and enjoy the rest of your pod. Take care. Just just Cheers, before mate. you go, mate, oh. we've got one more question for you, which is the oh, question dear. we ask everyone. And I've not told you about this, but who is your sporting hero and why? Well, I've got like five seconds to think of one, haven't I? Um, I'm not going to do the obvious. I'm not going to do the obvious. Obviously, you've been a Liverpool fan. I'm not going to say him. Jamie Carragher. I'm going to go for Jamie Carragher instead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one yeah, or the other, isn't it? It's one or the other one. So, yeah, I'm going to go for Jamie Carragher. Um, okay. Reason, um, I'm a defender myself, obviously, amateur defender. Uh, and what I like about him is I felt when I was watching him as a kid, he was never the best player, but he had a big heart and a big attitude. Um, yeah. I met him once in person. And he was so lovely to me because I was quite, um, also a shell shocked. You know, I was a bit, oh my god, it's Jamie Carragher, and he was really cool. Got a photo, yeah, that's the word, Starstruck. Um, so yeah, I'd say Jamie Carragher for that. Um, and it's probably the only book I've ever read. I read his autobiography, so that's that's quite a nice Solid one as well. Pundit too. Yeah, yeah I, good. just just about to say that you how you described him was very similar to Gary Neville. So try and be unbiased, but who do you think's the better pundit? I think. When it comes to issues, um, social issues in particular, I would say Gary Neville. Um, I would say uh, to analyse the game, I would say Jamie Carragher. Very interesting, mate. Very interesting. But uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, as a Man United fan, I still do think back at Carragher hitting the post from about 30 yards out in his last game and think, if I could have one good Liverpool memory, it would be that going yeah. in top bins. But uh yeah, I'll, I'll leave it with this, really. I think who else could spit at somebody <laughs> and still have a job? Spit um, a little girl, good Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. Uh, most people be in jail, but he's still a sky. And thank God he is, because <laughs> over the Mika Richards, uh, he's probably the most entertaining pundit out there, isn't he? Brilliant. And what, what a note to end it on. Michael, again, mate, absolute pleasure having you on. Take no care, mate, and we'll speak to you soon. Cheers, Bye-bye. mate. Thanks, thank Michael. You. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye. Right. Speaking of football, lads, we've had some Champions League action uh, midweek. Straight on, no rest for the wicked. Straight on, no rest for the wicked. I'm running out of liquid. I've got a nice little Capri Sun squash tonight. Um, But yeah, Champions League this week, lads. And quite a bit of drama coming out of it. Very quickly, we'll start with Tuesday's action. Inter Milan winning 2-0 away at Benfica, which is a great result for them to go back to the San Siro with. And then I suppose the main event, Pep Guardiola hosting his former club Bayern Munich, recently parted ways with their manager and bought in Tuchel, and they get a big 3-0 home win. So, first of all, Sam, I'll start with you, mate. What do you think about that result? What does that say about Man City's intentions in Europe this season? Um, and then we'll get into the post-match news and drama after. Dominant. Very dominant, mate. Uh, I watched the good majority of it, to be fair, and... They were, they were absolutely. I don't think I've ever seen a team as head and shoulders above Bayern as they were, and it it could have been so much more. There were so many scrappy goal line clearances. They were desperate, uh, and yeah, I think it's an absolute statement. And I, I kind of do fancy him now, you know, for the for the Champions League. I know they are favourites, so it's not exactly a great statement saying that, but it's City in it, and they they they've never won it. So I, I do think it's, it still is a big statement to make. Um. It's a huge one, mate. That's that's what they've they've banked everything on now, isn't it? Is is getting that Champions all, League win, all or nothing a season with Manchester City. Um, yeah. Now I, I do think I do think this is their time. I, I I think they've somehow had a bit of a step back in the league in terms of quality. Obviously, they've constantly been playing catch up all year, and it's just typical that this is the trade off they've made. 
they're not going to run away with the league. They've come back a bit in the league, and now they they can compete in the Champions League. And I think that that was always going to happen. I don't think they were ever going to dominate the league and then go and dominate the Champions League. So yeah, if it's if it's going to take them to be in a two horse race for this season from to win a Champions League, I think Pep will take that every day of the week. So yeah, yeah. I think this is their time. I'm sure he would. And and Kemp. John Stones, a, uh, a a selection in centre midfield that raised a few eyebrows, but came out of the game as player of the match. Absolutely, just he, he controlled the game in the middle of the park. What do you think about Pep's selection process and in such a huge game, having the having the balls, I suppose, to to trust his players and and go in with that system. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is with this new John Stones role, and it is a new role, really. He's, he's kind of playing as a as an anchor and then filling in at fullback as and when he needs to. He's playing like these inverted wingbacks that that convert into centre-defensive midfielders. It's a pep tactic, but yeah. obviously it's one that works because it's a pep tactic and, and they battered by Munich uh, pretty comfortably. Um, as, as Sam's just mentioned there, I, I do also think City will will likely go on to win the Champions League. As I think I mentioned to you, Dawson, um, off a, you know, it's, it's the last infinity gem in uh, in Pep's gauntlet, you know, that he's not quite got with Manchester City or with Bayern Munich to, to that effect. Um, but the way that City played football, absolutely dominated the ball. Um, Bayern at times couldn't get near them. They, they looked frustrated, didn't know what to do. And that Bayern side, when you look at the lineup, Alfonso Davies, Kingsley Coman, um, all these all these players, that's just down one side. You know, Sane, Mane, and we'll get to that in a second. But but the, the quality that they've got, that I would say on paper, they're probably the third best team in the competition. Potentially, maybe Napoli, but I'd say on paper still Bayern. Um, and City absolutely ran rings around them. So a, a fantastic performance, take nothing away from him. John Stones has been an absolute revelation in that role. Um, always have, I've always thought he's a little bit dodgy at centre-back. In terms of his forward play, he's really, really good as a ball-playing defender, but I've always been kind of source of his of his defending ability at times. But I think playing him in this role, where he's, a, where he's an anchor and then he just needs to drop in as and when required, I think that's absolutely perfect. And I've heard a few pundits mention that Pep, no, Pep, Pep's got it dialed in now. You know, it's almost as if he's not messing about anymore, and he wants to really, really have a go at it. So John Stones in this new position, and 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 Akanji and Diaz playing how they are, and a shout out to Rodri because what a goal that was! Yeah. Um, I, I really do think City are not only going to win the league. I still do wholeheartedly think that, but I think they'll also win the Champions League as well. They're not going to win the FA Cup though. And, and why is that, mate? Because they've got the Mighty Blades in the semi-final, so and 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 I'm going to be at Wembley to watch the Mighty Blades uh, beat City uh, fairly yep. comfortably, I reckon as well. So well, I can't wait for Sam to have that as his wild card. Uh, sorry, as his lock, and you have Sheffield United as your wild card going into that weekend. But we'll get to that when the time comes. But uh, Sam, uh, Sam, sorry, Kemp, you mentioned those names there: Leroy, uh, Leroy Sane, and. Um, uh, fucking that was his Sadio Mane Sadio that's it Sadio Mane <laughs> um, we're seen arguing towards the last stages of that game on the pitch and then reports coming out of the team which which have been confirmed is that they got into an altercation in the dressing room which led to Mane punching Sane uh, Sane leaving the stadium covering his mouth because he had a, a sort of an injured lip and it has now been announced that Bayern Munich have suspended um Sadio Mane after that altercation. So, Tuchel's just come into the team. 
you know, it was quite a surprising decision that they they parted ways. Um, at the time, reports of relationships off field with people in the media and stuff, which led to that and, and all that kind of thing. But Tuchel's come in, and within just a few weeks, they've got absolutely battered in the Champions League, and now looking like they've not really got a hope of, of progressing. And now the players are fighting in the changing rooms and they're suspending them. So, Sam, what do you reckon of of what's going on behind the scenes there? Absolute mess, isn't it? You don't uh, you don't normally see that from a Bayern Munich team. Normally, well drilled outfit. Um, as you say, there were pictures coming out this morning of uh, Sane leaving uh, leaving the team hotel, biting his lip. So it's yeah. literally hiding his busted lip. And then about ten minutes later, it was announced that Mane had been suspended. And there's now a lot of Buzz saying that they don't think he's going to play for them again, which means they're probably going to ship him on. I think someone's going to get a bargain there, but uh, I'd love to know what's gone off. I don't know. So I'm not going to speculate, but definitely wasn't a happy dressing room when they when they've gone in three 0 down at uh, the midway point in in an important Champions League quarter final. Can't do it, mate. Can you uh, at that stage? But uh, yeah, I'm sure things will become a little bit clearer over the next few days and couple of weeks as to his future at Bayern. On to Wednesday's results. AC Milan got a 1-0 win at home against a lot of people's cult favourites in Napoli. Napoli were missing some uh, some big players, including or mainly their, their top-scoring striker, Osserman. Um, and Napoli did go down to 10 men during the game as well. So not the worst result to take back to Napoli. Uh, I'm sure that'll be a great second half and uh, second leg, shall I say, and a lot of people will be cheering on Napoli as their, uh, as their dark horses for the competition. Uh, and Chelsea beat 10-man at Chelsea 2-0. Ben Chilwell getting a straight red early into the second half. Chelsea beating 10-man Chelsea is impressive. Uh, Real Madrid beating 10-man Chelsea 2-0. Uh, goals from Benzema and Asensio continuing Chelsea's torrid run of form. The the state that they're in at the minute, and Kemp, I'll start with you on this one. I know you lads had a, a good discussion about Lampard uh, last week when I wasn't here, but... Kemp, Frank Lampard, Chelsea. Frank Lampard's got a point to prove in terms of his management future. Chelsea need to steady the ship, ready go, ready to go into a massive summer um, coming up shortly. Clearly not in a in a place to be taken on a big boy like Real Madrid. Is it a case of it, it's done and dusted and Chelsea haven't got a chance? Or, as Frank Lampard said, magical moments had have happened at Stamford Bridge. What chances do you give them? Yeah, they have. And to be fair, I think I think they were quite lucky to come away with a 2-0 defeat. I think it could have been a damn sight worse. I think from what I heard, they defended pretty well and pretty resolutely. I think Real Madrid were a little bit off it. Um, but listen, you're coming away from the Bernabeu, you're down to 10 men. And I think by the sounds of it, they could have been down to nine as well late on in the game. I think Fafana made a bit of a dodgy challenge there as well. So I think they've done well to come away with a 2-0 defeat. Um, if this were another Chelsea outfit, and they'd gone 2-0 down away at the Bernabeu and they'd got Real in the second leg, I'd be at like, Champions League nights at Stamford Bridge. They can get a little bit tasty sometimes. You know, the Roberto Di Matteo flickers into your mind. Um, but but ultimately, um, it's going to be too much. Lampard, don't know how to fucking tie his shoes in management, never mind. Beat Real Madrid in the uh, Champions League quarterfinal. So, uh, yeah, I think I think it'll be a, a pretty steady performance for Real at Stamford Bridge as well. I think maybe, maybe a one or two goal win. And unfortunately, the dream for Chelsea will come to, come to an end in the Champions League as well. And it'll be a, a very mediocre season indeed. So, yeah, I think that's where it, it pretty much finishes, unfortunately, for, uh, for Chelsea in the Champions League this season. Todd Bowley had some interesting comments before the game. Uh, someone caught him. What, that Chelsea are going to win 3-0? 3-0. I mean, <laughs> what what was he 
what was he gaining by by saying that? Was he putting unnecessary pressure on his manager? Or he, I don't know, was he trying to take away from the manager, making a bit, making it all about him and how much of it, he's a bit of a joke? And I didn't, I didn't quite make as as tells that comment. I Is think it it's, that? I Go think on, it's like the blase American attitude, isn't it? I think more than anything. That's what I was just about to say, going to say fucking hell. I don't think it's that. I don't think there's any malice behind it. I think yeah. it's more, oh, we're going to win 3 nil, And it's like, you, you don't believe that though, do you, Todd? You're just sort of saying it because you're American and you're probably a little bit of a loud mouth. So it's 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 something I expect an NFL owner to probably say when he's walking into the game. And I don't think Todd knows much of a difference. So if an NFL go. owner said they're going to win 3 nil, it's a pretty shit game. <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've invested or in a draft it. into uh, into the into the defence, so field goal, yeah. Too bad. yeah, yeah, well, yeah, fair enough. And, and and Sam, very shortly, very briefly, I'm I'm assuming you're backing your boy Frank, and it's going to be that three nil win at Stanford Bridge <laughs> that uh, he predicted. No, 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 That's that's a, I'm distancing myself firmly from that one. It's uh, it's going to be the same again. I think I don't I don't think uh, I don't think they'll even win on the night. To be honest, I think Madrid are going to come again and going to win again by two goals. So minimum. So no, I, I don't. This this Chelsea side stinks. To just from top to bottom, it's just a squad full of random players, not gelling at all. They bought too many players in. I've seen some ridiculous things a week ago when Lampard got the job, saying um, Potter had to do a couple of um, like training sessions and team drills where half the team had to sit in standing hallway because they couldn't fit the fucking full team inside the main room they were doing things. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So they've obviously got too many players. It's, it's bloated. They've been criticised in the past for having this many players on the books, but they normally loan them out. I think that's actually what they need to do this time around and streamline the squad to about, you know, no more than 23, 25-ish. But I think at the minute it's it's over 30 what they've got. And it's just, yeah, I think that I think that's what's causing a lot of the issues. There's a lot of, lot of, lot of similar players for the same, well, we, we spoke about this last week, similar players for them, same sort of top-heavy positions. But out of all them players, they haven't got a striker. So... Is what it is, isn't it? I think we'll got something we're after improving the summer. Yeah, and you, you mentioned there it was a good point about a lot of the players that they get in. Chelsea have always got quite a big squad, but a lot of them are on the periphery, a lot of them out on loan, whatever. Um, the, the problem is, is that they've put all these players in. And I think I'm just looking at the the the, the rules um, of the Premier League now, and Premier League's cannot. Uh, Premier League clubs cannot loan to another Premier League club a player they've acquired in the same transfer window. So you see a lot of these players like Conor Gallagher, who was obviously out of Palace, and, and, and these loan deals that have been happened in the past. Unfortunately, because they've brought all these players in this season, or the vast majority of them, where is there for them to go? So um, really, really poor decision-making at the top of Chelsea. We've seen this happening for a long, long time with all these players coming in. And um, and, and now Todd Bowley's unfortunately made his made his bed and, and he's unfortunately lying in it. So what do you expect? Not much. Um, and we probably expect what exactly is happening. So uh, there you go. Uh, moving on to the other side of the European competition, the Europa League. Manchester United currently in action against Sevilla, winning 2-0 at home, just kicked off the second half. The big news out of the United camp this week is Marcus Rashford is set to miss a few games following getting a knock against Everton on Saturday. Sam, what do you think? I've just said they're up 2-0, so it probably would have been a bit of a different conversation 45 minutes ago, but they're obviously playing in the Europa League against a tough side in Sevilla who they lost in the Europa League final two a couple of years ago. They've got Brighton in the FA Cup semi-final coming up shortly. We know 
the cup competitions as their big focus for and their opportunity for opportunity for success. What effect do you think that's going to have with Rashford missing a few games? Yeah, I don't know if you've been noticing me looking down to my to my right over the night, but it's purely because I have actually got it on my phone. So uh, that's why I've been I've been keeping my eye on throughout the the evening. Uh, and I did think they'd struggle in this game against Seville. They've got obviously terrific tournament pedigree in this tournament. Yeah. Uh, they mentioned a stat early on saying that uh, every time Seville have got to the quarterfinals of the Europa League, they've won it. So which is an unbelievable stat. So I did think they'd struggle. I, I thought Seville or potentially a draw or Seville win maybe would have been the wild card shot tonight. But now that they've, they've pulled through well, Sabitza looks like he's absolutely dictating the play. Um, and they're not missing Rashford as much as I thought they would, which is fantastic news for them because it did look like going into this game, that would be the case. Ten Hag said a couple of days ago that we, we, we're relying too much on, on Marcus and he, um, your man Marcus. And... Um, I don't know why I'm doing that. That's not a reference. So I think, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think they're going to miss him as much as we think. And you said they've got Everton at the weekend. Uh, no, we got injured against Everton. They're playing oh, away at Forest on the Sunday. Away at Forest. Uh, yeah, away at Forest. I mean, Forest at home, they've, they're like the only, only time they're competent, aren't they? So uh, it could be a potential banana skin for them. But if, the, if Martial can keep playing, as we, as we know he can, then I think they should uh, they should win that one as well. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree. Well, not to or not touch too much into the uh, the title race because we've spoke about it a lot. But um, City win, Arsenal win is what Michael went with. Sam, do you agree with that, or do you see a different outcome from the two games and and that current state of play changing? The what City winning the league. Uh, City winning and Arsenal winning at the weekend and how it stands staying the same or do you think anything will be different? Uh, City 100% winning that, yeah. It's, it's Arsenal, that's that's the dodgy one. I think they've, if they're going to win the league, they've got to win. It's as simple as that. They're going to West Ham who need three points to survive. Uh, Arsenal drop points at weekend. They can't afford to drop points two weekends on the bounce. So I think they're going to have to go to West Ham, guns blazing. I, th- I think they will, actually. I do think they will. This is the, this is the game that's going to like, test their metal and see see what they're made of, really. If, if they're going to falter, it will probably be this game. If they're not going to falter, this is going to be the game that's going to you know, get their heads back, as you do with a little head point, get your head back in the game and um, and push on with the final, however many games, what is it, five or six games left, something like that? Eight. eight. Oh, is it eight? More than I thought, actually, but... Yeah, fair enough. Um, and Kemp, I'll come to you for my next question because it is related to the championship. Burnley uh, sealed promotion last weekend, so they yeah. will go up. Not confirmed champions yet, but more than likely to happen. Fourteen what, points clear. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I can't see it not happening. But until it's official, yeah. it's not official. Sheffield United do seem to be pretty comfortable in that second spot, but. Burnley confirmed to be up. They got absolutely battered by City, which we know there is a big gap between between them. But early signs, you'll have seen quite a bit of Burnley this season with you following them alongside Sheffield United. What are your sort of early predictions for their chances of survival or potentially more next year? It's all about investment. It's as simple as that. You know, they've, they've, they've walked away pretty much with the championship this season. They've lost two games and they've played 40. So that's just ridiculous. It's a ridiculous start. And Vincent Company's come in there. And, and I think when he came into Burnley, he sort of said, I want to get Burnley playing football. And everyone laughed at him. But yeah. ultimately, he has. They're playing some really good stuff. And apart from 
a bit of a capitulation against us where we beat them five two. I think it was. Um, they've uh, they've done pretty well. Sam, you're looking beautiful there, by the way. I must say, just just hovering yourself up over the camera, looking Shame like a hippo, looking like a the eyes of a hippo out of the water. Um, but but yeah, um, I think Burnley have have done really really well. And it'll come down to that investment. Yes, they've been head and shoulders above everybody else in the championship, but ultimately you've seen teams before that have done that and then have really struggled to stay up in the Premier League. So as long as they get a decent little bit of investment behind them, um, make a few signings, um, a few loan signings that could probably want to make permanent. Teller, for example, from Southampton on loan, he'll probably want to go permanent. Southampton will probably go down and they'll swap places. So that's probably a good signing for them. But as long as they've got company at the helm and they, and they invest where they need to invest, I think they'll stay up pretty comfortably. And then comes down to uh, two others in the championship. And who knows who that's going to be? So we'll see. He's got his brothers coming through Academy, isn't he? Teller. He's, he looks, looks a sharp player, Pennon. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I wonder where you were going with that. I thought you were being serious. I God, saw Kemp then. I saw Kemp side eyeing loading football manager up ready to. <laughs> I've got, got him in my player search tab already. I tell you. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, well, lads, a lot of football going off this week and, and to come this week. I really enjoyed going through that with you, but Kemp. It is your time, mate. It is time that me and Sam get the blankets, get coloured up and tuck ourselves into Kempi's combat corner. We've got some UFC talk. We've got some upcoming UFC talk. We've got some boxing talk. And we've got some uh, novelty fights to uh, speak about yet again. But uh, Kemp, take it away, mate. Yeah. Welcome back to Kempi's Combat Corner. Um, it's it's there's a lot to cover on 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 this this edition. Uh, so I'm going to keep it fairly short and sweet. But ultimately, um, there are things that need covering. So, first of all, UFC 287 that took place last Saturday, Israel Adesanya against Alex Pereira for the UFC Middleweight Championship of the World. Israel Adesanya, in some eyes, shocked the world. Um, a very dom- not dominant, but a, a good first round for the champion Pereira Portan um, in, in the first five minutes of the fight. But ultimately, um, it, it was to no avail because Izzy um, took a few heavy leg kicks. I think he admitted after the fight that his leg was a little bit damaged, a little bit hurt. But he, he, he sort of backed up, played a little bit of possum um, and, and backed himself up against the cage, almost almost Anderson Silver-esque um, and, and caught him with a, a right hand over the top. So, um, Sam, you're showing me a darts. Uh, program there and it's confusing me a bit from Kempi's combat corner so uh, I knew Loaded Sport would regret this video move and, and we definitely are tonight so uh, yeah Israel Adesanya ca- catching him over the uh, over the right hand and, and and staggering him and then another right hand to follow uh, that put Pereira down and, and ultimately ended the fight so Dawson I I, I'm sure you've seen the highlight um, what were your thoughts on on Israel Adesanya's performance on the weekend? Were you expecting him to win, or were you surprised when you saw the next morning that Israel Adesanya had reclaimed his gold? Well, looking at predictions and everything else like that, I don't think too many had him to win it. It's a relatively even fight, but Pereira has had his number in the past, so I think it was good for Adesanya to to have that moment. You know, rumours of a, another fight upcoming, you know, unification fight for, for certain weight belts and things like that, where I'm sure Pereira will, will come out ready to, to take that crown back. But ultimately, I, I, I'd, I'd say surprise is maybe a bit too strong of a, 
of a way to describe it. He got the job done. He was he was he's obviously got it got him a little bit of closure, especially with Pereira's son um, taking that dive in in the cage afterwards, right in front of him. But uh, yeah, it, it, I'm sure it would have done him the world of good mentally to uh, to secure that win. Yeah, no, absolutely, you're absolutely right. You know, Israel Adesanya been three uh, one down after the fight, so he's still not uh, he's still not hundred percent got his revenge on uh, on Pereira after that one. But uh, yeah, a really really good victory for him, and and I'm sure that he'll um he'll, he'll build upon that and and hopefully take it into the next fight, which. There's a multitude of contenders. Nobody knows who Israel Adesanya is going to fight next. There's talk of Duplessis fighting Adesanya next, the South African. And there's been a little bit of beef there. Uh, Duplessis saying Adesanya is a fake African because he's from Nigeria but lives in New Zealand. There's Hamstat Shemaev, which is who was always the boogeyman of, of the welterweight or middleweight division. So could he feature? Robert Whitaker's already lost twice, but he is really the next contender in line. And, and if Pereira would have won, I think Robert Whitaker was the um, was the consensus choice most definitely and if anybody's wondering why i'm staggering and laughing it's because sam uh is absolutely playing a blinder off camera um i can see him you can't and he's uh he's definitely doing his best to put me off but we're professionals and even though i'm laughing we will carry on honestly so, what an absolute shout out if it if it's in the gallery version <laughs> <laughs> i'll not be able to release it yeah, no, you wouldn't. You definitely wouldn't be able to release what we've just seen I've on camera there. Well. Fantastic, great. Well. Thank you for that. We'll have to kick him out soon because he's, he's really, really off, damaging boys. me. I'm sorry. Put he's really off. damaging me now. Um, but yeah, UFC 287 was a really great show. Uh, Jorge Masvidal retiring in Miami after losing against Gilbert Burns. Um, so... A decent end to his career um, but he, he didn't get knocked out he lost in a points decision but it was what it was um, I'm going to try and speed through this as quick as I can because I honestly don't think Sam will let me get away with much more um, Max Holloway versus Arnold Allen Arnold Allen is a Brit and he's fighting this weekend against the former featherweight champion Max Holloway um, and it's, it's definitely a fight that, that's going to either make or break Arnold Allen's career. I think he's on a 10-fight win streak and beating a former champion in Max Holloway will surely put him to the to the forefront of that division and, and fight the winner of uh, Yair Rodriguez and Alexander Volkanovsky. So um, fight night this weekend. I can't quite remember where it's coming out of, but it's uh, it's going to be a, a decent show. One of them where the main event's really the, the main event and there's not really much else to talk about on that card, but we will see if Arnold Allen can get it done. Um, boxing and it's it's nice to report on something a fight actually happening <clears throat> rather than just all out of the ring politics and bullshit which we've all been hearing about for the past few weeks um, Joe Joyce is fighting against Jaylee Zhang I believe you pronounce his name um, both six foot six both hit like an absolute train um, uh, built like a ton of bricks you might say and um, yeah, they're uh, they are absolutely going to go to war. Hopefully this weekend at the Copper Box Arena. Um, Joe Joyce, the interim WBO champion of the world, I think. So he's definitely with a win. Hopefully going to be fighting against maybe Usyk or, or even maybe Fury next. Um, so we'll see how that one pans out. But yeah, it would be really good if Joe Joyce got a big win and then he, he sort of catapults himself really to the to the top echelons of that heavyweight division. And, and maybe we could even, even see him against Anthony Joshua um, in December, which brings me on to my next subject. Um, 
as we've discussed, we all discussed and got involved in the Anthony Joshua versus Jermaine Franklin fight a couple of weeks ago. Even Sam and Adam had their predictions on the fight, not, not usually fight fans, um, but but they, they definitely had their input in this one. And Sam wasn't wasn't as far away as people thought. Uh, but 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 here we go. AJ's next fight was meant to be and was scheduled to be in the summer. The idea with AJ was to get a few fights under his belt with his new trainer, Derek James. First one being Franklin, one in the summer, and then a big fight at the end of the year. Anthony Joshua has since come out and said he's not going to fight in the summer and he's he's going to wait and, and he's going to fight at the end of the year instead. Um, Dawson, a lot of the reason why people were saying that Anthony Joshua maybe looked sluggish and slow against Franklin because of the time out of the ring after the second Usyk fight. What's the thought process now on taking even more time out of the ring and not returning until the winter, which means he's had two fights in 2023? Not exactly prime activity, is it? It's not, but also, you know, two fights in a year, that's not... I think I'd say that's pretty standard for, for a top-line boxer, if anyone wants to say I'm wrong on that. So it's not like he's saying, right, I'm not having another fight till next summer or, or anything like that. I think that'd be more of a question, but yeah. It, you're, not, they, you're not wrong on that. Go on, sorry, sorry. No, I was going to say, he, he, he obviously did a bit of different training, went into that Franklin fight in a bit of a, a different physique, a physique maybe focusing more on power over stamina. So maybe it's just a bit of a step back, assess it, figure out what, you know, what way we want to go long term, know who we're going to fight and what kind of, you know, what kind of approach we need to take that fight. Yeah, I get, I get, I get what you're saying. I understand it. And, and you know what? If it's a Tyson Fury or, for, or if it's an Alexander Usyk and they're fighting twice a year, maybe defending the belt twice a year, I, I don't think I could agree more. I completely agree. Um, but the problem that I've got with it is that it's it's he needs activity. He needs to yeah. get in the ring. He needs to get his confidence up and he needs to start knocking people out. Didn't manage that against Jermaine Franklin. And, and I really think if he is going to have a massive fight at the end of the year, I really think a fight with Dillian White perhaps in the summer would have been an ideal scenario for him because he's knocked out Dillian White before. He knows he can do it. I'd, I'd even say Dillian White is more diminished than when he knocked him out before. He, White was sort of on his way up when, when they fought before. So, a fight with Dillian White in the summer would, would have really been an ideal situation, in my opinion, for Joshua to really get himself in that mix and say, right, OK, I struggled against Franklin, but I've just knocked out Dillian White. So you've seen my progression with Derek James in six months. And then they can build the fight off that, the big fight at the end of the year off that. But now the big fight at the end of the year, they're building it effectively off of a performance against Jermaine Franklin, which a lot of people thought was lacklustre. So, A what's AJ's confidence going to be like going into a potential big fight at the end of the year? Uh, and B, you know, how do they build that fight? Because that performance against Franklin was pretty subpar. So how does Eddie Hearn sell that fight to the masses if it is a Joe Joyce or a Tyson Fury? New Dawn, New Dawn part two, isn't it? New Dawn part I, two. I, I think that's what he needs to sell that. I think if... The thing with AJ is, and, and I know I've said he's overrated, and overrated doesn't mean bad and all that kind of stuff, but if over the summer or you know early autumn or whatever it's announced that he is stepping in the ring in December, wherever it is in the world, against a Newsick again or against a Fury or against a Joyce or whoever, that fight will still sell. As much as my personal opinions on, on AJ is, you put him in the ring against one of those three fighters, that will sell. That will sell out the arena that it's in, wherever it is in the world. That will do strong pay-per-view buys. It is if 
he does end up against another Franklin where you're expecting him to win and it is more of an exhibition or a, it's not a, a top-tier fight, that that will be the problem of selling tickets, selling pay-per-view buys. So if he's coming back in December or whenever he's coming back, that's fine. But for me, it has got to be one of those big three or four fights and anything else won't be enough. But I think that's the mm. issue though, isn't it? If it's going to be one of them big fights, then... He needs a fight before then. Like Kemp says, he can't he can't come off the back of that and jump straight into bed with a Fury or a Yusuf. He can't do it. He needs he needs another fight before then, I think. And a yeah, Dillian White. And, and, yeah, and, and I agree. I agree. And, and you just mentioned Dillian White's name there. For me, it makes perfect sense to have Dillian White against AJ, maybe in the O2 arena, 18,000 capacity, not expecting him to sell out a stadium. It's 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 not going to do ridiculous numbers. It's going to do decent pay per view numbers though, because there's still pretty bad, you know, there's still bad blood between the two. And then, like I say, and Sam, I completely agree with you. You know, AJ knocks over Dillian White, and then you can really build a fight, and you can even get even bigger pay per view numbers, and you can even build a bigger fight after that. Um, but Dawson, I completely understand what you're saying, and I completely agree. If Joshua fights Wilder or Usyk or Fury, maybe Wilder or Fury more than Usyk, because we've seen that fight twice before it will sell out anyway. And I think that is a luxury that you've got when you've got a cash cow like AJ, who is still yeah. a massive star. That is a luxury you've got. You can put him out when he's not at the top of his, you know, the top of the tree and he will still sell pay-per-views and he will still get, um, he will still put bums on seats as it were. So make an excellent point there, Dawson. You really do. <sighs> and now we finish Kempi's Combat Corner. With a little bit of bullshit, but on the other side of things... Um, He's still going to watch a, it. A Stockton badass. A Stockton badass is going to definitely get my uh, my eyes on the product. Um, it was announced a couple of days ago as we record that Jake Paul, the problem child, coming off of his points loss against Tommy Fury, will be fighting Nathan Diaz, the former UFC fighter, um, first man to beat Conor McGregor in the UFC, um, shook up the world, and he wasn't surprised, motherfuckers, when he did so. Um, Nathan Diaz, Stockton 209, fighting Jake Paul in a boxing match, his pro debut. Um, it will be at 185 pounds, which is middleweight for, for MMA. I'm not, I'm not sure what it is for boxing, maybe cruiserweight, I think it might potentially be, or light heavyweight, but it doesn't matter. It's Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz. It's the two names. That's it's all that exactly matters. I've just said it's going to sell whatever it is, mate. It's going to sell whatever it is, and, and I think and it's a really. That's why, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's as right. someone that is a little bit more casual, a little bit out, is this is why I can see the frustration from boxing fans so much because we've just said it then. AJ, you put him in the ring, no matter if he's on a downward trend or he's past his best or whatever, you put him in the ring with that top three, four, maybe even five fighters, it will sell. It's the name. This is the fight that people want, or these are the fights that people want to see. And it's, as you've said in the past, it's the politics that's stopping that. And as much as it's hurting the fans, it's hurting the fighters just as much because it's their legacies, it's their paychecks, it's their futures. Boxing will only pay them for a certain amount of time. You know, like any other sport, it's not something that you can pay until you retired in your 60s and 70s and set yourselves up for life If unless you're a top, top, top level fighter who can earn a lot of money and you're cheating yourself out. Nate Diaz, Jake Paul, who gives a shit about the rules? Who gives a shit about the weight class? Who gives a shit about anything that's going on? You want to watch it. And that is what it comes down to. Yeah, and Jake Paul's absolutely hit the nail on the head. It's perfect matchmaking for him. He's come off of a loss against Tommy Fury. He lost the fight. Everybody who watched the fight will will agree with that. Um, and everybody sort of thought when Jake Paul does lose, because we knew that he was ultimately going to lose, no matter what he said, 
Um, where does he go from here? And I think this is a really, really good step for him. I think it's a risky step for him because Nathan Diaz is no no slouch. Um, but but I think it's a good step for him in, in the next stage of his career. And if he does beat Nate Diaz, um, he can then go out and say, Tommy Fury, I want that rematch. I want to come and knock your head off. And then they can build that fight again. Um, Dawson, Nate Diaz, a legend of MMA. The Diaz brothers go back in, in, in UFC and MMA folklore and history, Nate and Nick. Um, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. How do you see this boxing match, Nate's pro debut, going when they lock horns I think it's August the 5th how do you see it going it's a great question mate and I think at this point it is too early to tell but guns to my head I, I do think a Jake decision you know okay. that, that's where I'm at there's not really too much logic there behind it like you said it's Diaz's first fight he, he is a bit of an all-rounder he's he, you know he's a great submission artist on the mat which is going to be taken away from him in in that boxing ring do I think he'll hit Jake Paul hard enough to knock him out? Uh, hard to say. Jake Paul has got a, a great arm and Nate Diaz is a, a tough son of, of a bitch, as we know. So do I see him getting knocked out? No, I don't either. So I do think it'll be a, you know, just a, a traditional boxing jab and move and there'll be swings and there'll be, you know, there'll be poor techniques and all that kind of stuff. But I think when it comes down to it, a Jake Paul decision victory, if you're asking me right now, is, is where my head leans to. Yeah, I get it, and and you're absolutely right. Jake Paul has got more experience in boxing than Nate Diaz in that in that sense. Um, you mentioned there Nate Diaz's ground game and his jiu-jitsu skills, his black belt in jiu-jitsu, his, his gas tank is unbelievable. And I think although the jiu-jitsu is going to be taken away from him, the gas tank won't be. And I think for yeah. me, you know, this is this is coming straight off the announcement of the fight. We've had no head-to-heads, no stare-downs, no weigh-ins, nothing. It's just literally a poster is what we've got to go on at the moment in an announcement. But yeah. for me, what do we see Nate Diaz do? We see Nate Diaz take the first few rounds off and then we see him smother people with his endurance. He runs triathlons for fun. You know, he's a, yeah. he's a crazy guy who's got a ridiculous gas tank and he can go all day. So for me... I think Jake Paul will start really well and maybe hurt Nate in the first few rounds. But Nate is is a crazy guy. He's he's got a, a chin beyond compare, um, and, and I truly do think that that Jake will fade. I think Nate will really put the pressure on him and really really close the distance. And 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 I honestly can see a Nate Diaz late late stoppage, even the last sort of minute or thirty seconds of the fight. I can see Nate overwhelming Jake Paul and and getting the stoppage win. But I still do think it's a really smart decision for Jake Paul. I think it's a it's a fight that brings him back into the mix, hopefully with a win. But it's also going to draw a lot of money in pay per view buys as well. And as you just mentioned there, Dawson, it's a short career. They're prize fighters. That's what it's all about. So um, yeah, we, we we start with MMA, we finish with a bit of a joke, but we've got we've got a, a decent boxing match in the middle at the weekend. So it isn't all bad this week on uh, Kempi's Combat Corner. Well, I have got one question to close off. I'm going to aim this one towards Sam because you mentioned the poster there about uh, Fury, uh, not Fury, sorry, Paul and Diaz. Not too long after another poster was released for a fight between uh, Liam Payne and Tommy Fury. And uh, I know it has since come out that it was to advertise Soccer Aid and both of them appearing on it. But Sam, Fury, Liam Payne, who have you got taking that fight? Fuck off, mate. Fuck, off. <laughs> Fuck right off. Of all the fucking input I could have had then, you've asked me about that, get fucked. 
Right, Kemp's the Kemp's the uh, the ringleader for for yeah. KCC, mate. What what what? Don't fucking blame me for your fucking question. <laughs> well, he said about him putting anything else. He kept asking me. I think he wanted asking. <laughs> if if we weren't too busy wanking himself off, then <laughs> well, to be quite honest with you, that's why I didn't ask because I didn't know what he was doing behind that camera. <laughs> but what can you do? AJ, mate, what's next for him? Sam, he's gone. Is is gone? Is gone. Uh, well, uh, we'll move on to the darts Premier League. We are very, very, very close now to finals night, um, and we are very close, lads, to uh, going to Sheffield to uh, to watch it in the box. What loaded date, spot. What date is it again? Eleventh of May. So, uh, well, right, four then. four weeks from tonight. Uh, we will be there, um, enjoying life, watching the action, a, a repeat in the quarterfinals of the World Championship final that Sam mentioned earlier. Fingers crossed we get that leg again, but I can't see it because, as we said, it peaked in that moment and likely won't happen again. But uh, last week in Birmingham at the uh, other one of three utilitary arenas that will be played at in this tournament, Clayton, Johnny Clayton, in great form in the Premier League, beat Peter Wright. It was so close, lads, to get an Aggie that, that first nightly win. But, Sam, I'll start with you, mate. You went with the outsider. You went with Chris Doby. It started off on such a high with him winning in Newcastle, but he's not been too in, doing too great since. Do you regret that decision, mate, of going for Chris Doby? What do you reckon for, for how the table's panning out all these weeks later? Yeah, it's uh, it's not the best backing, is it, to be fair? I think, <laughs> um, I, think I was uh, a, bit, uh, a bit naive with that one. So I've seen a bit of footage on him and I've, I've jumped on him, but he's, he's not done too bad. Say it's been his, uh, his first one. He's still obviously got an outside chance of making that, that final playoff spot. But, yeah, I think uh, Clayton's coming into his own now. And he is um, starting to look very good, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. And and just on the back of your comments about Chris Dobie and how he's played, obviously, night to 11 in Brighton is currently taking place as we're recording. And bless him, he's been against Gerwin Price in the first round. And the Gerwin Price has hit the highest ever average in the Premier League tonight with 115.62. So... Wow. Chris Doby didn't stand a chance through no fault of his own, but he's, he's yet again gone out at the first hurdle. Uh, currently, the quarterfinals are Michael Ver- Van Gerwen versus Gerwin Price, which Van Gerwen leads 4-3, and Peter Wright against Michael Smith. So Peter Wright seems to have found a little bit of form, but way too little too late for, for Aggie to have any hope. So, Kemp, that leaves me and you, mate, as it's looking. Anything can change between now and then, and any given Sunday, anything can happen on finals night. But it looks like it's going to be between Gerwin Price and Van Gerwen, our picks at the start of the tournament. Van Gerwen started off strong. Gerwin Price been pretty good the last couple of weeks. Who's in the right place? Who's in the right position to to start taking over this tournament in the last couple of weeks? It's nip and tuck, isn't it? It's nip and tuck. I think Van Gerwen, like you say, started well. Gerwin Price kind of came into his own in, in the middle portion. Um, I think Michael Van Gerwen might win a couple more nights towards the back end. I think he might have taken a few weeks off and then he might be sort of rearing himself up to, to have that big push again at the end. So I can see Michael Van Gerwen winning a couple of nights. It wouldn't surprise me if he won tonight, actually. I think, gun to my head, I'm saying that Michael Van Gerwen wins tonight as well. Um, but, uh, but but they're both going to be there in the uh, the semis and, the, and and hopefully potentially the final. So um, so we'll have to see. But I'm always backing my boy Gerwin Price to win. But I think right now in this at this point in time, I do think Michael Van Gerwen is probably better prepped to go into those final few weeks and and hopefully gets a bit of momentum behind him for his sake and for yours. Yeah, absolutely. And Sam as the impartial one here. If you could go back eleven weeks ago and change your pick, 
based on what you know now, who do you think you would have gone for? Van Gerwen, I think. Just the uh, yeah, you can't go wrong with him, can you? Really, price is looking very good, but uh, yeah, Van Gerwen would have probably been the favourite one to go in. That's it, mate. That's it. Um, and Kemp, I'm going to lean this back to you because I, I didn't actually watch any of the tournament uh, this last weekend. It was Easter weekend, which for for big golf fans would have been an absolute godsend to have all four days off, but or three of the four days off anyway. Um, the Masters. I know you lads spoke about it last week, and Kemp, you were absolutely adamant that you were oh, Masters you were, darts. <laughs> you were absolutely adamant you were putting it under the darts umbrella. But I suppose for me, and, and if there's anything you want to change, then then say. But I think for for golf fans, the, the three biggest stories coming out of the weekend: uh, McElroy struggling was a big favourite going into the weekend and, and missed the cut. Tiger Woods withdrawing after making the cut injured. Are we looking at the last appearance of Tiger Woods at the at the top level at the biggest tournaments? And ultimately. John Rab, the a man that you were mentioning throughout the weekend, getting that green jacket. So, uh, what's sort of your overview of the Masters tournament and, and what that means for the rest of the uh, prime golfing seasons and the major tournaments to come? Yeah, and and another story coming out of that is is Phil Mickelson tying second, uh, rolling back the years. Phil Mickelson seven under second. on day four to storm yeah. up the leaderboard. Yeah, finished on eight under, still four shots off the lead. John Rahm still comfortably won the tournament in the end and, and got that elusive green jacket. Um, but a fantastic weekend. Uh, I know I mentioned Masters darts, Masters darts, but trust me, I thoroughly enjoyed the Masters golf at the weekend. Um, it was it was absolutely fantastic, and it was great that golf is properly back now. You know, you have a few tournaments, the FedEx Cup and stuff like that, and it's nice to see. But the Masters is really the the one that kicks off the golf season. Um, and and as Dawson, you say a lot of the time, you know, best golf weekend of the year, one of four. Yeah. Um, so I'll start with what you mentioned there. First of all, Rory McIlroy. Yeah, I mean, I said on on the podcast um, that, that I thought Rory McIlroy may potentially win this one, and he properly let me down. As a, as a lot of people did, mate. So yeah, and, and and he properly let me down. He just McIlroy couldn't get into the swing of things, and it does happen at times with McIlroy. Well, yeah, that's it. And and, and he, it does happen at times with him where he does struggle to get into it. Um, but he, he does sometimes tend to find his groove on, you know, make the cut and then he'll find his groove on day two and then he'll, he'll sort of grow into it a lot of the time with Rory McIlroy. But he just couldn't seem to find it. It just wasn't there. It seemed like he was digging into the tool chest and, and, it, and it wasn't really coming up trumps for him. I know he's changed a few clubs in his bag and I know he's changed a few little bits and pieces in terms of his game. Um, and it might be a little bit of a slow burner. He might come back, you know, towards the back end of the golf season and really start picking up these wins. But concerning if you're a big Rory McIlroy fan because he, he, he certainly looked, you know, very, very, very much off it. So, um, yeah, hopefully for, for Rory's sake and for... For British golf's sake and uh, Ryder Cup fans' sake, um, Rory McIlroy can start um, hitting his stride later on in the year. What, what did you think? I know you didn't follow it religiously. Do you think McIlroy can recover from this pretty swiftly or do you think he's going to struggle this year? He should do. He, it, Masters is the one that he's wanted for the Grand Slam, isn't it? So I think he'll be more relaxed going into that because he hasn't really got the pressure going into the other tournaments, PGA Championship up next that he has with the Masters. So I do expect him to see see him around that top five, top ten mark for, for the rest of the season. I'm not too concerned about what it will mean because he's won them before, so the pressure mm. isn't there. But yeah, very interested to see who, who wins next. I, I did that sweepstake, obviously, which was won by uh, Alan Hurt, a work colleague of mine, a massive, massive golf fan. He's got a single handicap. He's brilliant at the game. 
Um, and yeah, he, he took John Ram and, and was very big on, on his chances, as as were a lot of people. But uh, I think for me, the biggest thing coming out of the weekend and, and mainly John Ram women, winning is that uh, I can't wait to see what his menu is for all the winners next year. Uh, off the back of Scottish Scheffler's uh, American diner style uh, menu, it'll be tough to beat that one. Mm, it's going to be paella and tapas, I reckon, somewhere with yeah. with John Ram, John Ram Rodriguez coming from uh, from Spain. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to be uh, dining on that uh, next year at the Masters. But I've got a long way to go before I'm doing that. <laughs> I sure have. And somebody else who looks like they've got a long, long, long way to go to potentially get back to the the, the top of golf is is the greatest of all time. Tiger Woods um, struggled again, had to withdraw, made the cut, which was great, but but had to withdraw due to an ongoing ankle issue, I think it was. Um, yeah. Couldn't, couldn't, just couldn't do it. And I think I've, I've heard Tiger mention a few times that golf isn't, doesn't tend to be the problem. Even walking around the course is is really really difficult for Tiger these days. He's had a, a, a few injuries, a litany of injuries. Actually, he had the really bad car crash, which obviously um, could have and probably should have ended his golf career. But then obviously he came back and and uh, and did really well and, and won a major again, which nobody expected. But it's not looking great for big Tiger fans, and it's looking like you know potentially the end of an era. Um, and, and Dawson, is this the last time that I'm not going to say we ever see Tiger at the Masters, but is this the last time that we see Tiger potentially make the cut at Augusta? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, short and sweet. I, I, I completely agree. I think he's come to the the point in his career now where done it all, won it all. He, he's struggling on his ankle. It honestly wouldn't surprise me if maybe next year probably not this year but next year was his his, his last masters perhaps um and, and he went out with a with, with a bang um, and hopefully made the cut again and, and had a real good send-off so all the best to tiger and fingers crossed he can he can do it again and have a good season for the rest of the season but yeah as you mentioned john rahm ended up running away with it it was john rahm and and, and kepka who were sort of neck and neck going into the uh, to the final round play did get called off at the end of the uh, third day or the, the sort of halfway of the, of the third day. Um, and they had to resume play on the fourth day and, and had to resume play in the third round um, and go from there. So a lot of golf played on that final day, Dawson. It went into the night um, and John Rahm took over from Kepka and, and did really well. I think he went three under on the final day and Kepka unfortunately went three over, which not only eliminated Kepka's narrow lead, but uh, ultimately cost him the tournament with um, Rahm going uh, going round in 65 in the first round, which is absolutely fantastic. 69 in the second round, ooh la la. 73 in the third round and, and 69 in the fourth round. So pretty consistent there. And um, yeah, he, uh, he finished on 1,200 and a pretty dominant performance. So how do you see this affecting things, shaking it up? Do you see John Rahm potentially as... You know, getting on a bit of a streak now and, and winning a few majors, taking that away from Schaeffler, who obviously won the, the last tournament, last major tournament, and um, and looked pretty well doing it. Anything can happen, mate. Only time will tell. And with the live golfers not really playing top level um, golf, it's really going to open up the opportunity for non live players to, to stop, you know, picking up multiple majors, I think. But we will see next month with the uh, with the PJ and what that means for for the rest of the season as they start to head over here for uh, for the open we certainly will yeah and and just a shout out as well um for one of the amateur players at the uh, at the masters i can't remember the guy's name sam bennett 
Sam Bennett, that's the one. Yeah, Sam Bennett, um, an absolutely fantastic showing. And I think on the third day, he was still in with a bit of a shout, bless him. So, uh, yeah, um, still an amateur. So nobody was expecting him to win. And it's pretty much unheard of for an amateur to get that far. But yeah, um, he did really, really well. So a, a big shout out to Sam Bennett, the amateur, getting as far as he did and doing as well as he did there, Dawson, because it, it looked for one minute that he might have had a shot. Yeah, well, um, I have no idea what his name is, mate. I just gave you a random name and see if you'd run with it. So, no, I'm joking. Well, it's Bennett. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. And I'm going to say, when you said it, I'm going to say fucking hell, when you said it, it sounded really familiar. So yeah, yeah. you did make it up. Well done. No, no, absolutely not. But yeah, I completely agree. Uh, now, to close the show, Sam, I'm going to, um, again, pun intended, swing back round to you now. I wasn't on last week's show, but... You wanted to really get stuck into your thoughts on the latest with Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers, New York Jets. And, and now with only two weeks left until the draft, a week later from that discussion about what you thought would happen, what you'd want as a Packers fan in terms of compensation, there's been absolutely no updates, no further updates um, of, of where that is going. As I mentioned there, two, week, two weeks away from the draft, no updates now for quite a few weeks, to be fair, not just uh, not just this last week. As a Green Bay Packers fan alone, do you think that it is imperative that this trade is either confirmed it's not happening or it goes through before the draft starts in four weeks, in two weeks' time? As a Green Bay Packers fan, no. As a Jets fan, yeah. I think it, it's far more on them than it is on us. We've already got our guys. We've already pretty much said it's going to be Jordan Love. Rodgers, it's going to be expensive for us. It's, it'll just end up sitting there. You know, red shirt and in for the year. Um, don't get me wrong, it'll be the most expensive red shirt in history. Do you, do you think that if Roger stays, he doesn't play then or? So Bill have just scored. Uh, no, he won't play. No, I don't think he will. Um, I think we've already committed. We need to see what we've got with Love at the end of the day. Uh, the Jets have come out multiple times and they said it again this week that it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So yeah. they keep telling, coming out with these sort of statements. And, and then yesterday I'm reading that the Jets and the Packers front office haven't spoke to each other in weeks about this trade. So that's helpful. That's um, yeah. So I, I do think it's more on the Jets than it is the Packers. We've got our guy. It's not like we're scrambling. It's not like it doesn't matter what decision Rogers make. We, we, we're set for the year. Our plan is. So it's, it's completely on the Jets. I don't, I don't know why they're dragging their feet with it because they're obviously going, going to want to know who's their number one guy going yeah. forward. And if they're coming out with statements like it's a matter of when, not if, it's you know we'll put your money where your mouth is. Then I think they're, I think they're trying to get him on the cheap. And obviously, I think everyone's thinking that the Packers would have just let him go and kind of roll over and get him away for next to nothing. And that doesn't seem to be the case. So I'm fully, shockingly, team team Green Bay on this one. I, I don't I don't I don't know what the Jets are playing at. If they want a player as badly as they've made out they want him, well, come and get him then, you know what I mean? It doesn't exactly yeah. look great, does it? They're not, they're not pulling up trees to come and get him, so that's that's just my 50 pence on that. Yeah, and both teams with a top 15 pick, which we know could be the difference between a playoff run or, you know, a really genuine championship run. Jets with or without Rodgers and Packers with or without Rodgers, do you think those top 15 picks change too much in terms of positions or type of players they go with on whether or not they have Rodgers, or do you think they should be pretty set on where they go, regardless of if each team ends up with Rodgers going into the season? Uh, again, Packers, I don't, I don't think it alters anything, whether he's on, still on our roster at the time whether, and whether he's not. 
I think we're still going to be um, again. Well, I can't even I can't even tell you where we're going to go in this draft to be honest with that number one, number one pick because we've got quite a few needs. Left tackles a big shout. Um, defensive ends a big shout. So I don't think it's going to matter to us too much um, whether he's there or not. I just think the Jets. I mean, they've already got a decent wide receiver core, so I wouldn't have thought Rogers being there or not would have made any difference to draft another one. They'll use another first-round pick on another receiver, obviously after Garrett Wilson on last year. Um, now, it's, it's difficult to say, isn't it? Because where, where, what position would you think the Jets would take regardless? Um, for me personally, I think they, they want to be focusing on either either line defensive or offense and to be honest I don't if they get Rodgers I think they should lean more towards the offensive line if they don't then I don't think it really matters but it's such a huge game changer isn't it if they do get Rodgers do they get him an extra weapon do they get him extra protection do they get that really big defensive piece for a real strong playoff and championship run or if they don't then they go into it with Zach Wilson do they think, right, we really need to focus on getting him an extra piece in terms of a wide receiver or a tight end, which is quite a strong class this year. So I think I agree with you. I do think it affects Jets' first-round pick more than it does Green Bay's. I'm quite intrigued to see if they do start Rodgers Green Bay, if he does stay. Um, but you will obviously read more sort of inside reports and, and, and you know news articles leaning on what's going on behind the scenes and what they might do. But yeah, I definitely think this trade affects Jets' approach in the first round more than it does the Packers. Yeah, it's 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 something nobody wants to see. Rogers still in Green Bay, as as daft as that sounds. Can you imagine the trade doesn't get doesn't go through and the Packers do run with Jordan Love and they start him for the first five or six games and he's bang average or even below average and he's bad and they've got an all of famous sat on the bench. You can imagine what Lambo's going to start shouting and you know getting yeah. in, and so I do think it's going to be it could lead to a stick. If it's not there, they can't shout it. You know whether it's playing bad or not. Love, so yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's in definitely in everyone's interest that he is gone within the next. I, I said last week, I said I'm hoping by this recording that it's going to be have a lot more light shed on it, but obviously that's not the case now. I, I don't honestly think now it's going to be sorted until at least the draft. I think draft day potentially is when we're going to maybe hear something that seems to be. And it may even be day two as well, with you know a lot yeah. of a lot of people now leaning towards that day one pick not being not being a part of the deal. So we might not even see what happens until the weekend if it if it does happen at that point. Yeah, and they've obviously tried um, trade baiting with San Fran. I think they've only done that to flex slightly to just show the Jets that they're not the only option. You know, they're not the only suitor. But yeah. I think. Green Bay trading with Sam Fran. I think that's the last thing that the Green Bay front office really want to do if you ask them behind closed doors. So definitely going to be interesting to see over these next couple of weeks. I can't wait for the, uh, the draft myself. Yes, mate. Absolutely same. You know all of this time of year, don't we, old Kemp? But uh, Kemp, very quickly from you to close us off because as a New York Giants fan, I've I've watched uh, a couple of drafts at least with you over the last few years. The, uh, the famous select, the famous... Uh, uh, Dexter Lawrence and, and Danny Jones double pick in the first round. You know, I've I've been right with you as you've looked forward to the potential game changing pieces. And it, well, you got Thibodeau and Neil last year, which was fantastic for you. But after the season that you had, a bit of a different 
mindset and a bit of a different feel for you, I'm sure, going into this year's draft. Yeah, and to be fair, the draft is the the last thing on my mind as a Giants fan at the moment when you've got Dexter Lawrence set to miss some of pre-season because he, he's not, not quite happy with the contract that we've offered. Um, you've then got Saquon Barkley that's refusing to sign his, his franchise tag. So we're, we're looking a little bit shaky at this point. Hopefully it's, it's Shane and Dayball kind of flexing and saying, you know, this is this is the situation. You, you like it or you lump it, and and we'll 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 you know we'll we'll look elsewhere in the draft or we'll make moves if we need to. If you're not going to behave yourself, so yeah, the draft this this year is going to be a little bit different for me. Obviously, the Giants did pretty well last season, so I, I don't think I'll be awake for for this year's Giants picks, um, which is a nice feeling. Welcome, welcome same, to staying up to the uh, the big boy times. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Well, well enjoy if it makes you feel any better, mate, I might not be awake for the Bears pick. So, uh, <laughs> honestly, I'll never live that down. Mate, I, uh, that's at nine. Don't worry about it. It's not, yeah. not first anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 true. Yeah, Panthers pick, sorry. But at yeah. Mr. Draft, if anyone in the group is the fucking draft guy, it's me. And literally, I cannot, I can, I'm not exaggerating. Obviously, Bengals go on the clock at midnight. I saw 11.59 on the clock. And next minute I woke up, I had about 28 missed calls from the, all you lot. Fucking chat. Half of it went even about the draft. It was where the fuck have I gone? Um, yeah. Absolute nightmare. But yeah, again, great time of year. Obviously with us recording on a Thursday night to release Friday, I'm sure next week will be more of a bit of a, an in-depth draft talk. And then the, the Thursday of the draft will be a bit more of a, hopefully we've got the Rogers trade, maybe a couple of other things, a Cardinals, who's gone up to number three, if anybody all that kind of stuff, ready to get tucked in, ready for for that uh, first round. But lads, I can't wait. I know you can't either. Been a pleasure speaking with you both tonight, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we look forward to having Aggie back with us next week because Seahawks two first round picks is going to be a big one for him as well. Yeah, I see. Yeah, and just before we do get to Seahawks next week with Aggie returning, fingers crossed, Dawson. Tell tell people where they can reach us on social media, please. <laughs> well, as much as I struggle, mate, Good I'm luck. sure I'm going to do better than you did last week. So, first of all, Facebook, it's Loaded Sport Community Forum, not Community Page. I could have killed Adam for saying that. But anyway, it's also Loaded Sport on Facebook to find our main page. If you want to follow us on Instagram, and this is the one, it is at Loaded underscore Sport. Get, Get it! it. Yes! Yeah. 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 Well done! Well done! If you want to follow us on Twitter, where Kemp is the man with the handle, it is at Loaded Sport. If you want to follow us on TikTok for little clips and little tidbits, it is at Loaded Sport. Also, if you want to listen to our audio on Spotify, you just search for Loaded Sport and make sure you hit the follow button and leave a review. And if you want to see our glorious faces and watch our new video content of all our episodes, it is again Loaded Sport. On YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave comments and let us know how you are finding the new layout. But Sam, enjoy your night, mate. What are your plans for the weekend? Plans for the weekend? Oh, you put me on spot there. I think I'm going out with uh, going out for a meal with the, the, the in-laws. So, yeah, nice, pleasant, quiet weekend for me. I hope you enjoy that. And Kem, as always, mate, an absolute pleasure. What are your plans for the weekend? Yeah, got a party on Saturday, I think it is. But it's definitely a party that I'm going to and driving home from, rest assured. So it will be a quiet one. And then I'm hoping to sneak out for a round of golf on Sunday. So fingers crossed. I hope the weather well, also, What about mate? you, mate? What are you doing this weekend? Uh, not a lot, mate. I will be going to watch Chesterfield again and I will be cheering on my lock. Um, and hopefully it comes in because if they play like they did last weekend, I am on for a losing selection. But we will see. But lads, again, absolute pleasure. Enjoy your night.
Cheers, mate. Bye. 2-2, two, two, by the way.